how are you doing? This is episode 49 of the Crochet Circle podcast and it's called My Kind of Rainbow. I hope you're all well. It is just the beginning of December here. I'm recording on the 3rd. It's frosty outside um, and I've been heading up and down the country, up and down England, doing all sorts of fun things that I want to tell you about in this episode. And it's episode 49, which means that the next one is episode 50. That feels like a really big milestone. I know it's just a number. I know 50 is just an arbitrary number, but it feels big. It feels like a big deal. So um, I have some plans for episode 50 and um, going into 2020. And fifty episode 50 will be the first episode in 2020, which also feels really quite special. Again, arbitrary dates, but in my head, um, it means something. So... I'm waving at you. Hello. I'm I'm a bit um like full of beans today, so apologies. I'll try and be uh like on track with what I'm trying to do, but I've suddenly just pressed record and gone, Oh giddy <laughs> Who knows what it'll turn out like in the uh, in the podcast. And excuse me slapping, I have a massive um thermos of hot juice because it's freezing in my studio. Um, I've had the heating on for about four hours to be able to come out here to record and it's just really cold. I've just taken off all of my extra woolies and I'm, I'm feeling it. So, yeah, you might hear me slurp every now and then. Right, let's crack on with it then. First up, I have got old dog new tricks for you. A couple of things here, both of which came out of the last global hookup that... Um, we had the November Global Hookup. Um, and it's it's really interesting because you can get into some really good discussions in the hookups and you've got lots of people there, so you've got lots of advice coming back and forward. And it's a really good community in the hookups. So if you haven't thought about joining before, please do come in and join and um, see what you think of them. So one of the questions that um, it, Claudia had was all about how she could transfer any motif that she had seen into a crochet patterned motif and what I want to point you towards is uh, it's an online resource that creates a pdf and it creates graph paper but that is specific to whichever gauge you type into the online the website so if you have got if you do a swatch and you get inside of 10 centimeters and let's say 20 stitches and 11 rows that's the graph paper that you will get out which means that you can then draw out a motif and make sure that that motif will actually work when you represent it in crochet it's a really handy bit of kit I use it quite a lot for knitting I occasionally use it for crochet if I'm doing color work just because otherwise if you do it on squared graph paper what you draw out is not what you're going to get when you actually crochet it up because the gauge is different. So this is a really handy way of creating your own designs. If you're a budding designer and you're looking at just doing some of your own stuff um, to as a, a first step, this is a really easy way of getting something that's a bit more accurate. So I've added um, links to it in the show notes. And for those of you that are watching 
the show notes are always linked to in the drop down box from YouTube. And if you're listening, the show notes always appear in Podbean, which is the main app that I use. So you might be listening on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. You need to go to the Podbean app, search for the Crochet Circle podcast. And from there, you'll be able to get the show notes for episode 49. And it will be under old old new tricks. So there's your first hint. The second one is one that I just, I can't believe I've never really thought about. If you are a Ravelry user, that was quite impressive. I managed to say Ravelry without it coming out in in some odd structure. Usually I go, Ravelry, Ravelry. Really struggle to say Ravelry. Um, if you are a Ravelry user, it won't last. Um, then when you are uploading your project, it says who it asks who are you making this for, and more often than not, I'm making something for myself. So I just put me, which is of absolutely no use to anybody. And um, it was during the last global hookup we were having a really good discussion about size inclusivity, and. Um, where patterns should draw the line or not draw the line and what's acceptable from a design point of view and what isn't. And as ever, I was looking for practical changes that I could make, that I personally could make, that would make it easier for other people that were going to do a pattern that I had already made. And the answer is that in that box where it says, who have you made it for, rather than just saying me, it is now going to say, made for myself, um, my bust measurement is this, my chest measurement is this, my waist is this, my hips are this, my arm length is this, and nape of the neck down to my lower back is this measurement, and I'll do it in inches and centimetres. Um, and the other thing with that, which I'm less keen on, I know I do a podcast, I'm really not a fan of having my photo taken. I think I look like an absolute dweeb in all photos. So more often than not, I will pull a stupid face, I'll take the mickey out of myself, because I am never happy with the way that photos look of me. I I don't feel like they represent my face as I see myself. And I don't mean like, oh, I think I'm skinnier than that. I'm well aware of what size I am, but... Something happens when somebody puts a camera anywhere near me, my face kind of melts and I just don't know what to do with myself and I always look like a dweeb. So I'm going to get over that, get over myself and start putting photos up of me in the garments that I've made, which means that if you go into my project and Ravelry, you will be able to get all of my measurements, you'll know what size it is that I've made, any alterations that I've made, and importantly, you'll get to see how garments look on me. And I will try and take like side-on views, front views, views from the back. So you can get a 360 of how a garment looks on me. Um, so it's going to take me a little while to add all of the photos. Might just make Matthew do a photo shoot with me where I put them all on. Um, but it's very easy for me to go in and add all of my um, size measurements. And of course, if I if my weight fluctuates for every project, then I will update what those measurements are. Um, so you can see how the fit is on on my body shape and on my body frame. So I would encourage you, if you can do that too, then please do. Remember that Ravelry is a closed forum, so you're not going to get, or you shouldn't get, loads of randoms going in there and checking out your body shape and your body measurements. Um, so it's a reasonably safe space to be able to add that information in 
what I would say is that when I am looking at doing a new project, a new um, somebody else's design, I always take to Ravelry to look how and see how it looks on other people. And it's really helpful if that information is there. That's why I can't believe that I've not thought to uh, move that on a thought process and actually put my own body measurements in because I find it really helpful when other people do it and I find detailed photos of how it looks on them really helpful too and to be frank there are a couple of projects that I've done and had I seen more photos of people that were my body shape I probably wouldn't have wasted my time making them I'm thinking about knitted ones in particular um, where they just haven't suited me and, and therefore I don't wear them because of that so it would probably save lots of people quite a lot of time and effort and help to funnel them down into the projects it would really work for them so that's it for old dog new tricks other than to say one of the things I would like to introduce in 2020 is the idea of top tips and tricks coming from you lovely lot coming from Crochet Clan members. So I would love to know what what are your top tips for crochet or for yarn? Um, so as I'm learning, I still want to be able to do old dog new tricks. I still want to share the skills and the knowledge that I'm gaining month by month. But what I would also like to do is know what your top tips are. Top tips? top tips are um, and the best way that I can get that information from you is I've started up a thread on Ravelry called Old Dog New Tricks so if you can pop your top tip in there or if you can email it to me I've added my email to the show notes and I'll pop it um, down below if you can email them to me that's much easier than me going through show notes or through Instagram trying to get in that way and then what I would like to do is pick one top tip every month and feature that um, viewer or listener and share some of the Crochet Clan top tips with you and really continue to foster what's special about this podcast and that is the community that we have together. So I want to make more out of your knowledge and your ideas as well. So yeah, email me or pop it into the Ravelry thread. Even if you think it's something silly, add it anyway. For instance, do you remember when I showed you the little pop-out trick on the um, Gutterman threads where you can just pop your thread in the top and the plastic lid goes back in and it keeps your thread end safe? I can't tell you, like I thought it was a daft thing and really wasn't that worth mentioning. I can't tell you how many people came back and went, I, I can't believe I didn't know that, that little trick. Hundreds of people now know about that on Gutterman thread because I discovered it from somebody else and passed it on to um, Crochet Clan. So no matter how daft you think your trip, trip, oh, I'm determined, your top tip or trick is, um, let me know. I'd love to be able to share it. And it would be one a month throughout 2020 and hopefully beyond too. On to Cal updates. So many of you are whipping through those whips. You are getting through them. Things have been frogged. Things have been finished. Things have been started and finished. You are flying through your projects. And what's lovely is I know that when you pop it up on Instagram or add it into the thread, you're encouraging other people to get through. And I've heard so many people say that they are needing a point where they can potentially go into 2020 
with just one or two projects where they've had masses up to, you know, a, a month ago they had loads of projects on the go and they've just been working through them um, going into a clear 2020. So that's really lovely to see and to see all of your projects that are coming through as well. Keep it going. Whiprip goes on until the 31st of December. There is um, a hashtag on Instagram, which is hashtag Whiprip2019. That's for your um, projects as you're doing them. For your finished objects, use hashtag Whiprip2019FO. There is a thread in Sophie's um, Ravelry group, Spring Snowflake, full of people showing off all of the things that they're working on. And there's also a finished objects thread in my group, the Crochet Circle podcast on Ravelry as well. So you've got two places that you can show off your um, your projects and your finished objects. Um, keep on going. I still have a few that I need to crack on with. I seem to have added more in. Um, and after I gave it all the big guns about people not being pressured over Christmas and making things for other people, I seem to have uh, started making jumpers for two of the little boys in my life. Uh, and I want to make them socks as well. And I want to make their mum a pair of socks. And I may have to say no at some point. But yeah, I've started loads of new things, which is just not at all what I was meant to be doing. But I am getting through the other things as well. I've added a list into the um, chatter thread in Sophie's group, which is really helpful because I'm then using that, keep on going back, tra- um, keeping track of it and updating it every now and then. So that's been really helpful to do as well. So yeah, that was Whip Rip. And again, in the hookup, I was asked whether I'm going to do the One Skin Wonderland Cal um, this year. And I hadn't planned to. And then I thought, well, why not? It's actually quite a chilled out crochet along. And I thought, as long as I can keep it chilled out and it's not like prizes, it's more about communal crocheting together or knitting or whatever you want to do, any craft goals, then why would I not run it? So I'm I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> so if any other podcasters want to get um, involved, it is hashtag OneSkinWonderland2019. The premise is that you can start your project on the 24th of December, whatever time of, you know, whether you're GMT, mountain time, whatever you are, you can start on the 24th of December and um, it needs to be one skein of something and that one skein can be chunky, it can be lace bait, but it's a one skein project and you have until the 31st of January to finish it up. And the idea is to have something that's really simple, that isn't going to tax your brains, that whilst you're maybe visiting family over the festive season or you've got a little bit of downtime, you can work on something that's really soothing, that isn't going to tax you, that isn't going to add pressure at what is quite a pressurised time of year for many. It's just something that you can take joy from and sit quietly and take some time out for yourself. That's the whole point of it really, is just to enjoy... Um, making stitches right so that is 24th of December through to the 31st of January uh, again thread on Ravelry and also hashtag OneSkinWonderland Cal 2019 final destination if you are watching you can already see that I have got a finished object on that I have got my bark sweater on when I'd finished it, 
I finished it just before I went to Iceland. And then I took it to Iceland and I didn't have the right top to put underneath it, so I didn't wear it in Iceland. And frankly, it was too chuffing cold for me to want to take my jumper, my jacket off to do any outdoor photo shoots of this jumper in Iceland. So it stayed in my suitcase. Um, but I have finished my bark sweater stroke jumper. And today is the first time that I've really put it on in earnest. And I've gone from not being that sure about it just because I felt like it made me a lot bulkier. I and I don't really want bulk adding to me. But today I like it. I've put um, a plain black long sleeve top on underneath it and I really like the contrast of the brown and seeing the black underneath it. Um, and I feel like that's slimmed it down a little bit so that's one of the reasons I am a bit happier with it. By the time I published this podcast I will have added full comprehensive um, notes on Ravelry for this project. Um, including my measurements and hopefully I will have managed to have um, got some photos so you can see how it actually properly looks on me beyond what I'm able to show off in the podcast. Um, I've got a couple of remedial bits that I want to do with it. The bit where the yoke joins with the underarms you get these kind of holes on the front and you get them on the back as well so I need to sew them up because I'm not happy with that. I think it's unsightly and also unnecessary and also the bottom curls up a little bit and within the pattern um, Sid Cell suggests a thing called tamper stitch which is honestly just like a, a slip stitch and I did that to see if it would stop it curling and all it actually did was created a tightness at the bottom of the jumper which meant that I couldn't then um, get it on because of course I've put in so many decreases to make the the body um, come in from my chest downwards so the timbre stitch isn't working so I need to design something that will work um, at the bottom to finish it off and stop it rolling and I need to sew up these little holes in the arms and then that's it so then I'll get it loaded up and popped onto Ravelry. I said in the last episode that um, I had completely fiddled about with the sizes and I'll make sure that all of that information is um, in my project notes. So where I've done decreases, how many repeats down I've done decreases and what I'll try and do is show you in photos as well. So if you're not particularly good at reading through text and understanding and you're more image based then hopefully I will be able to refer you to images from my project notes as well. So I'm now much, much happier with this and it's actually really nice and warm. Like I said, I have got it on with quite a thick um, top underneath, but it's a lot warmer than I thought it would going to be, given that it's got quite large lacy holes. And the other thing I would say is I... It looks like I'm feeling my breasts. I'm, I'm really not. I concentrated on... Um, when I was doing the chains, keeping them quite tight so that when the jumper was coming up and over my chest, it wasn't stretching out. It didn't really have that much stretch to go. So it wouldn't look that different from the top. So from my um, like from my neckline and my waist, it wouldn't look that, the pattern wouldn't look overstretched and different when it was going over my chest. And I'm quite pleased with how that's um, worked actually. So yeah. Bark is done. 
And my niece, who is Darcy Do is eighteen, she saw it. She came she came over for a cup of tea and to say hello. And um I said, Well I've got I've got something I think you might like. She's got quite a funky taste for an eighteen year old. She doesn't really she doesn't run with the pack. She's got her own sense of fashion. And um when I showed it to her, she was like, Oh, oh I like that <laughs> which always means do you think you might be able to make me one? <laughs> so we went up to the Stash Palace and she has picked out a really um, nice steely grey colour that she wants me to make her one in, basically. So I will do that for her, maybe over Christmas and New Year. Um, and I will make her her own little bark jumper. And we'll just have to make sure that we don't wear them at the same time. But it makes me so, so happy that my niece wants to wear crochet like beyond happy that she has got her own sense of identity and that crochet can be part of that she is the one that she and i went to crochet classes together so she has an appreciation for the the craft and the art of it anyway um but yeah the fact that she's 18 and she wants to wear crochet is just epic as far as i'm concerned so that sounds like I haven't actually done a lot because this jumper was nearly finished in the last episode. However, I've been working on a new crochet design and while I was in Iceland I managed to crochet up two and a half shawls, which is quite a lot. And whilst I can't show you the actual design, I can show you what I've been doing them in. Um. A wee while back I said that I wanted to offer some support information and tools to indie dyers to encourage them towards crochet and to have crochet samples on their stands and to just be more crochet inclusive. And one of the ways I'm intending to do that is to offer them out a free pattern. But this has to be a one skein pattern so that they can pay a test crochet to make it up for them in one of their yarns and that way they can actually properly show crochet off on their stands. So the pattern that I've come up with um, works for one skein and it works across um, an add-in weight, so worsted weight, sorry, which is actually this one, the brown, it's a phony brown colour, really not that dissimilar to my um, my bark sweater. So it works in an Aran stroke worsted weight, a DK weight, which I've got in um, a nice kind of heathered blue colour. It's lovely, um, quite a mid blue. And it's got kind of speckles of brown in there because of the blend it's got. And also in a four ply, which I've done in, um, it's almost like a cordially salmon colour. It's probably, yeah, salmon's probably quite a good um, name for it. And it works with one skein of each of those weights of yarn. When I get onto it en route, I'll show you the tail end of the lace weight version as well. So for one pattern, it's easy repeats because it has to be for people to be able to show off. And if they're not... Um, if they're not seasoned crocheters and I don't want something that's going to baffle them, I want to encourage indie dyers towards crochet, not away from it. And I want to be able to make sure that it will work across all of their yarn bases and all of their yarn weights. So hence why this pattern, I'm working it up in a heavy lace weight. I've done the four ply 
I've done the DK and I've done the iron weight and it will also work as a two skein shawl so I need to work up a couple of those as well but I'm really pleased that one skein will actually create a, an asymmetric shawl that will sit and will fit and will stay on your body especially because I've done this neat little design trick that allows it to stay on so I thought it would have been great to have had this ready for the one skein wonderland it's it could be but then I would be pushing it and I don't want to push it I want to do it properly and um so it might be ready but it might not and it might be the beginning of January before it is ready to come out but you will be the first people to hear about it I will let you all know and then what I might do is ask for your help for getting it out to Indie Dyers. I would really like them to have the tools at hand to be able to get something crocheted up and for crochet to have even greater prominence in 2020. Definitely there has been a shift change in 2019, but definitely we cannot take our feet off the pedals. We have to keep on pushing this forward. Crochet has to be given parity as far as I'm concerned. Okay, dokele on route. Um, what have I got? What have I got? What have I got? Oh yeah, I can show you the little ear of the um the other shawl that I'm working on, which, as I said, is in lace weight. If you're a long-term viewer, stroke listener, you will know that I have this thing about lace weight. I don't enjoy working with it that much, but I say that. I've told myself I don't enjoy working with it that much and then I start working on lace weight and I remember how soft and delicate and drapey it is particularly if you use a slightly larger um, hook size and then I think oh why don't I do more in lace weight because actually it produces such a beautiful fabric um, and then I finish that project and go back into the pattern of thinking that I don't really enjoy lace weight but actually I do. As long as it's on a bigger hook. I'm using a 3 mil hook for this one. So again, it's um this shawl that I'm working on. And I am maybe about 20% through it. It's taking a little bit longer because it is lace weight. I've got 600 metres that I need to crochet up. Um, but I am enjoying it. And I'll be able to show you all three, um, all four, maybe even five of these shawls in the January uh, episode but for now you can see just a little a little bit and I'll pop photos into the um, show notes as well so you can see how the different um, weights of yarn are working up in the shawl I wasn't sure if this design idea would work across you know there's a massive difference from lace weight up to this one that I'm working with is 600 meters per 100 grams um, the four ply was 388 metres per 100 grams the DK was 250 metres per 100 grams and the Aden was 200 metres so that's a massive difference so I really you know, was a bit concerned that it wouldn't work at the heavier weights um, but actually it's just fine, it's absolutely fine which makes me happy because I haven't wasted my time but I have got rather a lot of um, the lace weight still to go. And this is in, um, I think it's called sea spray. So it's a light greyish, 
with a hint of like a duck egg and it's alpaca so you can see all the fibers flying off it um and it's so beautiful to work with and it's light when you have worked with it when you've crocheted it up and the stitch that i've chosen is one that flattens out the crochet so you don't end up with this really dense bulky um fabric and it just it really suits the the yarns i'm using all of which surprise surprise are from john arvin textiles <laughs> um but it what it means is that rather than chopping and changing from lots of different yarn producers i can just show it across one yarn producer and they do really good standard weights of yarn so it means you're more likely then if you've got different yarn producers where you are you're more likely to be able to find something that's of a similar weight yarn there is method to it it's not just like a complete john arbon textiles loving i'm late as that too <laughs> so that is my crochet en route and what i want to do is show you a knitted en route that i've got and also an en route which I will be starting this weekend. So my knitted one is um, a jumper that I started and wanted to have finished when I was out in Iceland. I've got quite a large stash of Icelandic yarns because my love affair with Iceland has been ongoing for many, many years. And when I first went out there, I went to the Alafoss shop just north of Reykjavik and I bought loads and I had them post loads back to me as well. Um, and one of the things that I bought from there were these plates of yarn. And let me just show you what they look like. It's very friable yarn. It's basically roving, which is, you get them in these plates. So it doesn't come in a ball. It is literally wound into what's kind of like a pasta ball plate size. And it's not got any ply on it at all. It doesn't have plies and it isn't stranded. And so when you come to use it, it's very friable and it can pull apart very, very easily. So I want to be able to crochet up a blanket with all of the this yarn that I have. It's got a specific name, it's called Ploto Lupi. Lupi is the name of the yarn and Ploto means plate, so it's it's a plate of Lupi. Um, the thing is, I put quite a lot more tension as I'm working my crochet. And so if I was to go straight into a crocheted project with my Ploto Lupi, it would have been a disaster and I would have been adding like dealing with breakages adding more in straight away whereas the reality was I started with a knitting project and on my first sleeve it maybe took me 30 rows before I got used to the yarn and the tension that I needed to work at and from that point forward I had very few breakages and now that I've um got like a recognition and an understanding of how to deal with my tension on this on knitting I can now apply that to crochet that was my thinking and I, th I think it's probably good thinking and what it also means is I almost have a finished object like to all intents and purposes it looks like a finished object however one of the things that I discovered with Clotilupi 
is when you get it off of your needles, it kind of goes... <laughs> and where you think you had loads of length, and I thought I'd over-egged it on the length, and I'd done more than the pattern called for, um, I didn't, and it's just woefully short. So I've got a bit more work to do on this one as well, because it's, it's like a belly button grazer, which is not what I want out of a jumper. Um, the pattern is called Strandier. And I got it from one of my Icelandic knitting books, which um, the company that do the milling of Lopi put out. I don't know whether it's every quarter or something, but I bought one years ago when I was over in Iceland. So my jumper is made up of um, natural light grey, which is heathered with darker grey. It's undyed of the Plotolupi and also some Einband, which is... Um, like their lace weight version and again it's quite a friable yarn but it does have more integrity to it than the Plotolupi and the colourway that I've got is quite a specific one there's there's a lady that I don't know if she still works for them but she used to work for the agricultural college um, up in the northwest of Iceland and she does botanical yarn dyeing I know that she has now moved down into the um, southern south coast of Iceland, so I don't know if she's still doing the lecturing job. But she uses um, natural dyes to dye up Einband, and that's what I've got here. My dad brought it back for me a couple of years back, um, and I thought it would be lovely to add into this um, into this jumper so the iron band that um, the lady has naturally dyed has got a really beautiful um, dark blue and there are little bits and pieces almost of a green in there as well um, which I think is the rhubarb leaf that it was dyed with because when I've done anything with rhubarb that's the kind of colour I've got from it and I love this combination of the two colours the other beauty of the Plotolupi, and this is one of the reasons I really want to crochet a blanket with it, is it's so lightweight. So this entire jumper that I'm holding up is a size large. I think I did XL arms because I have quite hinge arms. And a large body. And this entire thing weighs less than 200 grams. It's like a puff of air. It's ridiculous. So Plotolupi goes quite far and it's extremely warm, but you don't have that weight. And we've got lots of blankets in our house where they're warm, but they're really, really heavy. And sometimes you don't want that weight bearing down on you. So I figured a crochet blanket, now that I know the tension to work to, would be beautiful using up all of my Plotolupi some of my Einband mixed in with it as well to give it more strength and integrity. But it would make a really warm, beautiful, lightweight um, blanket. And it's very cost effective as well. And the Plotolupi is not um, expensive. And um, yeah, it's not difficult to get hold of. You can get it direct from Iceland um, if you need if you need to. I really like it. So I need to think up a blanket design. Um, I could go and use one of the many other blanket designs that are out there, but actually, I just quite like doing my own thing. Um, so that may well be uh, one of my things for designs for next year. As for the Strandier jumper and how I'm going to deal with that, 
what I'm actually going to do because it's knitted uh, bottom up. I've left a little marker in there. I'm going to pick up all of my stitches. I'm going to cut off the rib and I am going to re-knit the rib and it will be going from top down and I'm going to give myself about 13 to 15 centimetres extra length onto that. So I've got a length of jumper that I'm really happy with and I'm going to change the rib because this one is a 6 by 2 rib and it sits on my hips like a little peplum frill which <laughs> I'm, I'm frills and me no I'm just I'm just I'm not frilly and I'm not pastel just never two things I will ever be associated with so I'm going to change that rib to something that I'm happier with um, because peplum is not a thing for a fee I said that I would also let you know about a future project that I want to work on and um, this is something I will be working on for quite some time. I got a message from Mara, who is Ruby Tombstone. We were talking about it in the Global Hookup as well. There are many of Australia's native animals that have been um, orphaned and abandoned and are injured because of the horrendous fires throughout Australia and some of those fires were already in like koala sensitive zones and it's just created so many issues um, over in Australia as I understand it they have a, an organisation called WIRE which is Wildlife Rescue and they are looking for and need like desperately need pouches that can be knitted and crocheted and these pouches will then house marsupials so um, joys, wombats, possums and it basically gives them the pouch that they would have had with their um, with their mother and it means that they can be nursed accordingly but they really need more pouches um, and so that's one of the things I'm going to be working on. Mara has pulled together um, some information for crocheted pouches and I've also linked information on knitted pouches but I would say is if you can't knit or crochet but you are a sewer they also need sewn liners and they look really easy to pull together basically what happens is the liner goes into the crocheted or the knitted pouch um, but that liner might be changed up to six times in a day so if you are able to crochet or knit a pouch and also sew six liners per pouch, then you're creating a system that would then work for one of those marsupials for an entire day, which is well worth doing. So the links for that are in the show notes. And usually what I try not to talk about within the podcast is stuff that's really time sensitive because by the time some of you listen to it or um, see it, it's been and gone. However, what I would say and the information that's coming out from WIRE is that this is ongoing and that they are going to need more and more pouches. So this isn't particularly time sensitive. And, um, you know, in a year's time, I've given you the link. So if you're not sure, just go back into those pages and they'll tell you whether they still need pouches or not. I've also linked because the bird populations have also been decimated 
and you can make um, crocheted nests so I've added a link to that as well I've also added into the show notes the address that you can send them to so yes they need to go to Australia so wherever you are in the world factor that in it's not particularly cheap to post things to Australia so if you want to do something to help the Australian wildlife but you don't want to make something or pay the postage I've also added a link to um, the donation site um, for WIRE, for Wildlife Rescue, where you can just simply donate to them. But I was looking for things with the One Scheme Wonderland Cal that I could make that um, were actually linked to a charity rather than just making another shawl for myself or just doing something else where somebody doesn't actually probably need it. And so I think most of my One Scheme Wonderland cal stuff is actually going to be around creating pouches that I will then send out to wire in Australia. And at the same time, I will ensure that I make six liners. So every pouch that I make, I will make six liners that will also fit. Now, there are some real specifics with the pouches. They only want natural materials. So it has to be cotton for the um, for the lining. And for the yarn that you're going to use, it has to either be wool or cotton. They do not want blends and they do not want acrylic because it's not breathable. It's not good for the marsupials that are going to be housed in those pouches. So wool or cotton for the pouches, whether you're knitting or crocheting, and cotton for the liners. And if you can help, then um, please do because huge tracts of land have been absolutely decimated by um, by the fires and lots and lots of wildlife has been displaced and lots of endangered wildlife has been displaced and WAR is doing everything they can to try and save those populations. You'll see more on that probably on Instagram as I've started um, using up some of my 100% wool stash. Shall we move on to Feeding the Habit? I've got some Feeding the Habit for you. Um, all for designs. I'm still on it with my um, with my yarn band. I'm, I'm coming up to it. I have got, what, six, seven, come on maths. Come on maths brain. 18 more days and I will have gone six months with buying very little yarn and any yarn that I have bought has been for designs quite proud of myself and I think what I might do is give myself a rest period between the 21st of December and the 1st of January see if there are any yarns that I quickly want to buy not going over the top buy them and then go into another six month period so if anybody wants to join me I reckon I'm going on another yarn ban from the 1st of January through to come on brain won't do it January, February, March, April, May, June. From January to June. It's pathetic, isn't it? From January to June, another um, yarn ban. I'm doing a great deal of working through my stash and I'm finding it really enjoyable. And, you know, there's a reason why I bought the yarns that are in my stash. I didn't just buy stuff willy-nilly. I bought stuff that I really liked and it's a well-curated stash. So I feel like I don't need to keep on adding to that for my own personal projects and I'm really enjoying going shopping my stash and um, using it up. feels good. So if you want to join me January through to June, um, yarn 
yarn bag again. Yay! However, I did buy bits and pieces when I was in Iceland for designs. Previously, when I've been in Iceland, I've only ever really been able to buy stuff which is from Alafoss. So the Alafoss Lope, uh, Let Lope, the Einband, the Ploto Lope. Haven't really seen anything else. And while my dad has been out and about on his travels across the island, he's found other little bits and pieces of Icelandic yarn that he's brought back for me. So I've got quite a big stash. But I've never really seen indie acid dyed yarns in Iceland. It's never been a thing. Never found it in any of the shops. I didn't know of any Icelandic um, acid dyers. And then we stopped on our way back to the airport at Selfoss, which is um, on the south um, of the island. So we found a really beautiful bakery to go and have lunch in, in Selfoss. Next door was a yarn shop. Um, unfortunately, it was full of drops, so not at all my cup of tea. But there was a little pile of indie dyed yarn. And the producer is, the company name is From the Shire. And it feels like the dyer is very much influenced by the colours of Iceland. So the skein that I bought has got most of the cream base showing of the original yarn base. But it has speckles of brown and like a dirty mustard, little speckles of orange, bits of almost like a green in there as well. And it's basically, the reason I got it is it reminds me of um, Iceland. And I haven't done a lot of designs in um, with speckled yarns. And I keep on seeing other people's work and I just think, oh, it's actually really nice. Maybe I just, I need to do something. So I got two skeins because if I needed to, if, if I start with one, I know I'll need a second one and it might be really hard to come by. Um, and so I got two of them. It's 75% superwash merino, 25% nylon and 425 metres per 100 grams. But through all of our journeys through Iceland, it was a lot of snow, a lot of tarmac and a lot of yellow snow poles. And basically the other colours that I've got in these skeins of yarn. So it was a nice little memento. And also because I thought it was interesting that Iceland has now got an indie dyer that I'm aware of. I wanted to be able to support that and also support a yarn shop in the thing that they had that wasn't Drops Alpaca and Drops Fable and Drops everything else, which, like I say, not my cup of tea. Um, and so I bought two skeins of that. So future design, um, I don't know what yet, but something is coming. I think it probably needs to be mixed with um, like a dirty grey or more mustard to make that pop out against the cream. Something will formulate. Sometimes you have or I have a design idea and then I go out and try to find the yarn. Sometimes I get yarns in and then I sit on them for a little while and the ideas start to percolate through my mind and then eventually like the noodle brain pops out a design and I've got the yarn ready to go for it. And this is going to be one of those. And when it's in a location like that and you know that you're not easily going to be able to get your hands on it, you kind of go with it when you can. Yay, the lawn maintenance man's making even more noise. Right, I'm going to continue. 
So the um, I think I said at the beginning that I've been rushing up and down the country during this weekend, and that started by a little trip to Bristol. I went to a, um, a gathering. It's called Flock, and it's run by a husband and wife team, Claire and Jonathan, and they are Bird Street UK. So Jonathan is a yarn dye. He's Mister B Yarns, and Claire makes um, project bags, Bird Street. And they host these gatherings once a quarter in a little village hall and people come and they pay just a few pounds and they can sit and crochet and knit and craft from, I think it's one thirty till 5 o'clock, I say once a quarter. They have pop-ups of their bags and their yarn and they always invite another trader in to come and do a trunk show. And it is lovely and informal no aggravation it's like having a mini yarn show where you've actually got room to spread out and there's cups of tea and cake on tap and it's just like delightful and they had quizzes and it was great fun and I just I just loved it and in particular what I loved um was there were people there like Jo that I I've never met Jo this is Jojo Twinkletoes she followed the podcast from the very beginning and we've always kept in touch and Joe was there and I finally got to give her a big squishy hug and we had fun and we were laughing and it was just it was just brilliant. And loads of people that I know go to Flock, which is how I heard about it, and I had massive FOMO about it, fear of missing out. So when I knew the next one was coming on, I was like, Right, I am going, I want in on this action. Also, I kind of would love to do something similar in Manchester. It's something that I have been speaking to a few of my local friends and yarn traders about because I just think it was lovely and it offers a very different way of being part of a crafting community, which I'm all about. I love a yarn show, I love vending at a yarn show, but they're not suitable for everyone. And there are lots of people that don't go to yarn shows because it's too much, the overwhelm is too much. And I think something like Claire and Jonathan are doing at Flock is really nice. Um, so the other person that they had there doing the trunk show was Rachel from Cat and Sparrow. Um, I know Rachel because we see each other at yarn shows, but also she sells my patterns, and so we're kind of we're in contact with each other. And I really like her yarns, I like her dyeing. Again, she tends towards earthier tones. She's got some really beautiful bases, some at the more luxurious end. And she also does quite a lot with um, British yarn bases. So the one that I bought from her, I say one, I got two skeins. But the the um, yarn base that I got from her is called Sweater Weather and it's a DK yarn. And it is 75% blue-faced Leicester and 25% Massam, both grown and spun in um, the UK. And it's 240 metres per 100 grams. And the colourway that I bought is called Grape, which is very aptly named because it is that proper grapey purple colour. And it's, um, it's a semi-solid. It's got really nice tonal shifts within that to a slightly lighter purple and slightly darker. And the reason I got these two skeins is because of the, the shawl that I've been talking to you about within this episode, the one that's due out, I want to be able to show it as a two skein option as well. 
so that um, yarn dyers can see how big it would be if it went to two skeins of DK, two skeins of four ply. I am not going to crochet up two skeins of lace weight as well. But DK and four ply shows you the mid ground, so that's what I'll be doing. Um, so yeah, that's what I got that for, and it's so squishy. I have used um, this BFL Masson blend before in a four ply yarn. I crocheted up a homebody sweater in it, so I know it's really squishy. I know how it wears. I know how to wash it. I, you know, I've got previous with it, which is always helpful. And I just, I think the colour is beautiful. So, and it's nice to be able to support the companies that support you. That was a big thing for me this year is to stop working with people that don't bring anything back. You know, I felt, I felt like I was doing a lot for other people and it's the thing that I'm carrying into next year with my word of the year. I'm, I, I want to work where there's balance and where people bring something back to the table for me and it's just not always me giving out which is quite often the case and it's wearing and it's tiring and so um that's one of the reasons I wanted to support Rachel was to give something back and put something on her table so this will be coming shortly as soon as I've got the lace weight version done this is next up on my hook um like design hook but I don't need to wait for this to be done to be able to release the pattern this is like an optional extra. It's beautiful. So squishy. Um, was that it? That was not it. <laughs> Sorry, let me just hoik my jeans up. Um, so that was flock and everything that happened there. And like I say, so much fun. And I, I'm going to the next one. It's in February. So there's a yarn show that's coming up that I'm not going to. And instead I'm going to spend my travel time and my petrol money going to flock because I'll get more out of it. It was just so much fun. So if you're going and you're in the Bristol area, it would be lovely to see you there. I think I might be taking a posse down from the northwest because I'm going anyway and I can fit five people in my car. And I've already had somebody from North Wales ping me a message and say, um, if you're going down, can I please come? Because, you know, you, do, you don't get these types of gatherings very often and when they're that much fun, why wouldn't you want to um, go and do it? One of the things that they did um, was Jonathan was reading out partial lines lyrics and then you it was like a quiz and you had to stand up if you knew what the rest of it was, but you couldn't just say it, you had to sing it which basically melted into a rap battle because the final one that he said was um, in West Philadelphia, born and raised, which meant that Sarah and I, Sarah from Yarn and Blarney, another crochet designer, ended up doing the like a good portion of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air rapping it out in a village hall. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Really good fun. You could go and buy yarn. There's no onus on you to go and buy yarn or anything. You could just sit, craft away, drink tea or coffee and eat cake. Just lovely, lovely atmosphere. They're doing a great job there. And I may be stealing it. <laughs> I was very upfront with them and said I want to do something similar in and around Manchester. So it wouldn't be a surprise to them. I asked them if they want to do a flock north. They don't. <laughs> So that was my Saturday. Saturday night, 
um, my friend Katie and I whipped over to Northamptonshire, stayed there overnight because on Sunday morning we were doing a dyeing workshop at Rivernitz and we dyed up 12 um, mini skeins, 12 20 gram mini skeins. That was the whole purpose of the workshop, it was about colour techniques and the technical details behind actually getting different shades and um, Rivernets have, Becky and Marcus have an entire wall of mini skeins. I think it's 80 different colours um, across and 12, um, 12 colours across various shades of those colours within their mini skein wall. I'm probably not selling that into you properly. And Becky has just started doing workshops. She did one on dyeing your own variegated skeins of yarn and then this one which was um, the more technical aspects but you could, you know, you don't have to have died before to be able to do this workshop. Um, but it did involve some level of mathematics and working out, like, grammage of dyes and stuff. But that was fine. Becky was there on hand to help. And basically going from your primary colours to your secondary colours to your tertiary colours and ending up with 12. And I loved it. It was a full day. We started at 10. We finished at 4. Uh, we had biscuits, we had cake, we had cups of tea on tap, Marcus was making his coffee and everybody had their own little setup, so your own pots, your own beakers. Um, so it's not like you were, you know some workshops you're under somebody else's steam and you're waiting for other people to catch up or you're the slow one and then you feel bad about this. This workshop was excellent because you could pretty much go at your own pace and you could create the colours that you wanted. So you weren't beholden to other people's um, shades and idea of a rainbow. And we all came out with completely different um, rainbow yarn at the end of it. I'll pop a photo up of the five of us that did the workshop and um, I will pop it into the show notes as well. But you can see how different our rainbows were. What's interesting is at the beginning of the session before we died, I thought I wanted a slightly lighter rainbow than I got and Katie wanted, as she called it, a grumpier rainbow than she got. But as we were going through it and hers were lighter and mine were darker, I was like, oh, I like yours, but I want to keep mine and vice versa. Um, so it was interesting that although we'd kind of pinpointed what it was that we wanted in the shade range we'd kind of swapped it out and I really love um, the colours that I got. In particular, I got this really rusty orange colour, which I've named Rusty Fox, which is what I was trying to get. And it took me three different attempts with the dye stock to get it to that proper orangey, rusty brown colour that I wanted um, before I got it. And I just love it. I absolutely love it. So... I this this was a little treat for me to do the workshop. It was very like well well priced. It didn't feel elitist in the slightest, especially given that I um stepped away with two hundred and forty grams of yarn. Is that right? So it's ten. Yeah, two hundred and forty grams of yarn at the end of the workshop, and technical capabilities. I have got quite a few jumper quantities up in my stash that I want to dye. I've purposefully bought natural coloured yarn because I haven't been able to find the right colour that I want and this rusty fox colour is one of the colours I've been trying to get and I've found loads of indie dyers with other types of 
kind of mucky, dirty orange, but it wasn't quite what it was after. And I now know that I can replicate that for the yarn that I want to use for a jumper. So it was it was really good on that front. I have no wish to become a yarn dyer. I always had, I think, quite a healthy level of respect for the dyers that I know that I I take them to be artists. Like to be able to dye colours, to pull colours together, to be able to get that accuracy that is repeatable, I think is a level of artistry. So I already had a healthy respect for that, for the people that I consider to be really good dyers. However, having done the workshop, my respect has increased massively. It's really difficult. Hand dyeing is an art form and deserves to be paid for as far as I'm concerned. These people, the ones that I really love and respect, aren't just flinging dyes in there. They have a true appreciation for colour, for process, for actually creating something beautiful. Um, <laughs> not something I'm capable of. <laughs> Clearly I can do it under instruction, but I'm never going to be a yarn dyer. I'll leave that to the, the professionals. I'll just keep on buying their wares and um, trying to represent them beautifully in designs. That's that's my part of the process. So I'm not quite sure what my beautiful mucky rainbow is going to become. I would like to crochet a design up with it and I think what I want to do is mix it with a very um, deep steely grey colour with kind of tonal shifts within that grey as well so it matches and it's not just something that feels really dark and dank against the the kind of vibrancy of my rainbow although it's a mucky rainbow it's still you know every colour is popping there so I've got um quite a dark purple going into an indigo blue into a teal foresty green grassy green quite a bright acidic poppy green going into an almost mustard quite a dirty mustard I'll be truthful, I didn't get the mustard I was looking for, but I like the one that I got in terms of the colour shift in my rainbow into quite a, um, a kind of orangey brown into my rusty fox, moving into a, quite a browny red, a pinky red and then a, um, a kind of purpley pink and that's the rainbow that I've got. I'm really, really pleased with it. It's right up my alley. Um, Beck and Marcus are going to run these workshops again in 2020. So if it's something that you're interested in, then if you go to the um, homepage of their website, I've added a link in the show notes, sign up to their newsletter. That's where you hear, first of all, about their workshops going live. Really good day. And I love the people that I was... You know when you go to a workshop and you get such a lovely mix of people? Hi, Kerry. Um... It was like that. It was just really fun. Everybody kind of had their heads down. They were trying to get through the 12 skeins and produce what they were looking to produce. But it was really friendly and good fun and a lot of ooing and aahing over each other's um, rainbows at the end of it. I just Yeah, it was just really nice. It was a great weekend last week. It was a very yarny weekend and I just... Like, it was that little enthusiasm lift that um, I like to have every now and then and just be completely immersed in the yarn world. And that's what I had last weekend. It was great. Let's do a quick shifty into quick news beats. Um, the next global hookup is on the 14th, Saturday the 14th of December at 8pm GMT. 
and then again on Sunday the 15th of December at 9am GMT. There are two more coming in December though. I said in the podcast last week, let me know if you would like it if I set up global hookups on Christmas Day and Boxing Day because I really am unhappy with the idea of people that are on their own and bombarded with messages of festivity and family and, you know, people coming together over the festive period and other people sat lonely on their own. So, um, I have opened up two other slots. So on Wednesday the 25th of December uh, from 11am till 2pm GMT, Global Hookup will be open. And then again on Thursday the 26th, 9am until 12pm, Global Hookup will be open. And the reason it's on such a long time slot, so for each one it's on for three hours. And the idea is I will go in, I will open up the session, I'll spend some time in there and then I might bog off and do something for half an hour, an hour and then come back into it. But the whole point is if you want to come into the session, you can come in. If there's nobody else in there, other people will pop in and out during each of the sessions and you you will have other people to talk to and craft along with, but you don't have to be in there for the whole time. And by opening up the time slot, then you might have a better time that suits you within those three hours, either on Christmas Day as it is for us in the UK or Boxing Day the next day. But basically, you know that you've got a three-hour window over two days where you can connect with people, you can connect with your fellow friends and crafters, and hopefully have a nice little um, kind of chin wag and a bit of crafting time with them. So all of that information is already in the show notes and I will have added it to the Ravelry thread for Global Hookups. Come and join us. Like I say, I'll be dipping in and out. <gasps> Sorry, I've just discovered I've got, a, I've got a loose thread on my... I really do need to do some remedial work on my bark sweater. I've got... What looks like a big old hairy armpit coming out of my uh, <laughs> my jumper. I thought it was one of those things where I've just collected loads of hairs in my underarm of my jumper. But no, it's an actual loose thread. That's not very professional, is it? Right. More quick news beats. Um, oh yeah. Did I mention that the podcast is going to have its 50th episode next time around? Um, I can do a standard podcast, but I also thought it might be fun if you've got any questions that you want to ask me and then I can answer them in the 50th podcast. You can ask me anything. I'm quite an open book. And if I don't think it's an appropriate thing to ask, then I just won't answer it. So ask away and then I'll tell you whether it's appropriate or not. Um, But yeah, ask me any questions if you've got them. What I was thinking are the best places for you to ask those questions would be the drop down in YouTube. Um, so just leave me a comment in this episode. Um, you can do the same in Podbean for this episode. Or when I put the grid story up for um, for this episode, which will be on Friday night, you could leave me a question within the grid story. That's going to be much easier for me to find than you sending me a direct message. So... Um, either on drop down box and comments in YouTube, no drop down box, either in comments in YouTube, comments in Podbean, or in response to um episode forty nine up on Instagram on the grid. 
I'm going to record a podcast anyway, but um, if you've got any questions, just let me know and I'll answer away. I might record episode 50 by the fire in the house, because it will be just after New Year that I record. Um, I might need to be warm by then, because it's quite chilly. And one final one, which is to say that I have added all of my electronic versions of my patterns so that's UK terminology, US terminology split out and knitting patterns are all now up on Etsy. I had an old Etsy shop which was linked to Knit It, Hook It, Craft It and I haven't had stuff up on there for years. I thought about shutting it down and I thought well why don't I just have all of my electronic patterns up there Um, because not everyone is a Ravelry user. So you can now get my patterns on Ravelry on Etsy and the shop name is Faye DH Designs and also from my own website and I've provided links for all of that in the show notes. Right. My final bit is Jador. And it can only be Iceland and spending time with my lovely, lovely papa bear. Um, I had a ball. I really enjoyed it. It was lovely to spend decent quality time with my dad. It's been a long time since I've done that. And in his eyes, although I'm 42, I'm small, like his smallest child. I am his little girl. We are two little peas in a pod. But it was interesting to see, to see him seeing how I operate and to see maybe his like understanding of who I am as an adult deepen um, because as I said I'm always his little girl but you know for him to see how I interact with other people and how I approach situations it was quite interesting I think it was a little bit of an eye-opener for him as to the human being that I am um Iceland is beautiful it's really really gorgeous it was very snowy the roads were very icy but their vehicles are just completely equipped for that so if you saw my Instagram stories you will have seen the kind of weather that I was driving through up and over the mountain pass to get down to our um our accommodation. Literally it's one road in, one road out unless you take the ferry. <laughs> so if you want to get to your accommodation each night, you have got no choice other than to go up and over this pass in like almost blizzard conditions and down through a twisty rounded road which is just ice, completely ice. Um but you do it and I've got a new um, kind of load of techniques under my belt for dealing with very cold road conditions and ice and snow and just how it, I've always been able to drive in those conditions but I definitely learned a lot more having been in Iceland <laughs> and we travelled around a lot so we were in four different locations over seven nights and we literally went from the southwest straight over um, following the south coast over towards the southeast then up to the east coast and we were travelling up to the north during the days and still on the tourist trail but on the less beaten tourist trail. There's an area which is called the Golden Circle which is where most people flock to when they go to Iceland and if you've never been before then those areas are well worth doing because there's a reason why people flock to them. It's accessible from Reykjavik and it's got some of the big things so like um the big waterfalls at Selfoss and, and Gullfoss. You can get to Vik from there and go and see the Black Beach and the Stacks. 
and you can go and see the geezers and you can do all of that from Reykjavik. However, I would say if you're going to be there for more than a few days, travel a little bit further. The western fjords are beautiful. The north of the island is different and beautiful as well. And you, you can, at the right time of year, get amazing whale watching up there. The east is incredible. It's just all very different. Um, and I thoroughly recommend going. If it's ever been on your bucket list of places to go to, I would say go. One of the things I particularly love is that they haven't gone health and safety crazy. So they don't hold your hand. Everything isn't high fenced, big security. So we went to Detefoss, which is, I think, is supposedly the biggest waterfall in Europe. And there are literally little metal spikes with low level ropes saying, don't go beyond this point. They're not molly coddling you if you're an idiot and you fancy going and getting closer to the waterfall than you should and you fall in it's it's kind of on you um like it's very much a common sense country and i really like that i feel like we've just gone over the top in the uk um and it's not like that in iceland it's just a very different way of approaching common sense i really like it um yeah, it was good. And one of my absolute highlights was we were heading north one day, going up and over the mountain pass, and we'd seen that another car had stopped and they'd got out of their car. So if you see that, you kind of slow down to see if they've got engine issues, um, whether they've got a problem or whether you might be able to help them. And as we'd slowed down, we realised that what they'd actually stopped for was because there was a herd of reindeer that had just crossed over the mount- the pass and we're heading off up and over the mountains and we stopped and watched them for about 10 minutes. I've n- I'd seen reindeer in the wild uh, like a couple of days before but down on the lowlands. So to see them with their winter furs on and up against snowy mountains, it was just they were beautiful, really majestic. Some of them with their huge stag horns were just, they were just gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's just... It was a really lovely trip. I could go on and on and on about it and I won't. I did take lots of footage. So if you want to see what I was up to, um, the bits of crochet that I was doing in and around the island, go and have a look at my grid. I did a post every single day and I did loads of supporting images. So you've got a full carousel of what I was doing each day. So if you want some little snapshots of Iceland, go and have a look at the Instagram grid for the crochet circle. And that is at crochet underscore circle underscore podcast like i said I took loads of extra footage so in between christmas and new year i might put up a little extra um episode of my travels around iceland because it's just it's probably more so for me than you but it just allows me to condense what it was that we did in a week and be able to share it with my dad as well um which he'll he'll quite enjoy the best bit of all my dad wants me to knit him an Icelandic jumper. He has previously been not anti-wool, but didn't... Like, Any time I said, shall I make you a hat? Shall I make you mittens? Shall I make you? Shall I make you? I've got, no, I'm all right, thanks. No, I'm all right, thanks. No, I'm all right, thanks. And then I knitted him a pair of socks. He was wearing them in Iceland. He really loved them. While I was out there as a thank you, I knitted him... Well, I didn't fully knit him. I did one of um, the Rivernet's... Um, sock in a pot things so you get provided with a tube of socks two tubes 
and then you add on a toe and an afterthought heel and I was doing them all the way around Iceland and then I gave them to my dad at the end. He wore them straight away and he phoned me the other day and he had them on again. So I've definitely pulled him in with the knitted socks. He's getting the benefit of them. But while we were going around Iceland, um, he was like, I think I might I think I might want an Icelandic jumper and I was like, Okay. And he said, But I'm not I'm not sure about all of the ones that are there and a lot of the ones that you can buy are in Alafoss, which is the chunky weight yarn, and that's not what he wants. He wants something that's um denser. So he can wear it at the football when he goes to Anfield to watch Liverpool play. And um now that he saw another man at the football wearing a Norwegian jumper, a knitted jumper, so now it's totally acceptable. And he knows how warm they are because this man didn't have a jacket on. So it's totally flipped to search in my dad's mind. And I am now allowed to knit him an Icelandic jumper. So I've started. I won't show it to you yet. I'll show it to you next month when uh, hopefully I'm a little bit further through it. But um, he's coming down tomorrow. My dad's coming down tomorrow. Not to see us in particular. Not to see me in particular. We're back to the age-old thing of my dad will go to Anfield, go to the football, and then bogs off and does something with Matthew. So they're, they're off work, walking on Thursday and going to a gig together. He's had his time with me. We've done Iceland, that's it for a while. Um, but I will get him to try it on and make sure that the gauge is right and the thickness is right and that the sizing is right for his arms. Because again, my papa bear is quite hench. He does a lot of um, like physical labour and work. And um, so, yeah, I need to make sure it's right for him. But he wants an Icelandic knitted jumper. I am so happy with this. Uh, yeah, I have brought him over to the woolly woolly ways. Right, it is time for me to go. The light is fading. And um, it's going to be dark in about half an hour, I reckon. So I'm off. I will see you on the 3rd of January. Remember to ask any questions if you've got any. Have a fabby festive season. Come and join us in the Global Hookup if you want some crafting time. Um, and I will see you for the end of the whip rip and get your special skins ready for the 24th of December for One Skin Wonderland Cal 2019. Right, I'm off before all the daylight has gone. See you soon, my lovelies. Bye-bye. Pastel anywhere closer to it. Um, let's start again. Old dog, new tricks. Oh, if I position my head in the right place. Behind me, I have um, a stick with all of my mini skeins on. But if I put my head in just the right place, it either looks like I've got horns or, you know, shape 
Shrek's ears come right out the side of his face. It's a little bit like Shrek. Nice. It's a good look.